welcome to the First Lutheran Church located at 512 South Kale Avenue in Miles City with pastoral services provided by Pastor Steve Rice. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 13th chapter. Luke writes, at that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus asked them, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those eighteen who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, see here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this tree, and I still find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year. Until I dig around it and put manure on it, if it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Again, I too bid you welcome this morning, or again bid you welcome uh, this uh, drizzly, drizzly day. Uh, the water adding to some of the challenges that are already being faced by agriculturalists and stockmen, not just locally here, but uh, uh, as we move into the Midwest even more profoundly. And so uh, I'm mindful of, uh, uh, of uh, something Martin Luther wrote in his commentary on the book Genesis. Uh, he wrote, who does not know what a hard life it is to be a farmer? <laughs> and I observe that today, uh, Luther's uh, words of wisdom, though, probably flowed from his pen with uh, sort of the assumption that that was saying, stating the obvious. Uh, today, I would suggest there are indeed a great many who do not know uh, or even can appreciate the challenges faced by those who bring forth from the land uh, food that uh, that feeds uh, not only us here, but in fact feeds the world. And uh, those who are often least insightful are the most vocal uh, in their uh, uh, criticisms uh, sometimes of uh, what takes place in rural America, urban America, wholly dependent upon your good labors, uh, and yet often so unappreciative ties in a bit with the lessons today um, as I take a look at the uh, at the gospel lesson and uh, notice that Luke prefaces this opening uh, verse of the uh, 13th chapter with the words at that very time okay at that very time um, and so uh, there's something significant I suggest in, 
Luke wants us to be aware of contextually uh, that this was taking place in concert with a number of other things taking place. And so uh, I took a look at the 12th chapter uh, as preparing for uh, reflection on these few verses. And in the 12th chapter, uh, we are told that uh, Jesus and the disciples were literally being um, swamped, surrounded, overwhelmed by a crush of thousands of people, Luke writes. Thousands of people. So much so, and Luke takes uh, pains to, uh, to mention the fact that uh, they were trampling upon one another. There were that many. Well, certainly such a gathering uh, in that day, that time, those circumstances would have garnered the attention of uh, malevolent uh, forces, not only that of Rome, but also of the Pharisees. Uh, they were both curious and suspicious of what was happening with this carpenter's son, this, uh, this man who with his disciples was creating such a stir among the people. Um, and so what was happening? In the 12th chapter, Jesus had just cautioned uh, the crowd, the multitude, uh, to beware of the influences, often detrimental, of the Pharisees. Uh, again, those Pharisees would have been watching, lurking uh, among the thousands. Jesus cautioned against uh, coming to think that by amassing as much wealth as possible in life, uh, you will somehow be able to escape life's both uncertainties and inevitabilities. Um, remember the parable of the rich man who built barns to hold all of his things? Uh, and the culmination of that parable were the words, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you, and those things you have, whose will they be? That's in the 12th chapter. Jesus pressed on, though, having offered those words to reassure, saying, do not worry. Consider the lilies of the field. Okay. Twelfth chapter. Do not fear, little flock, for it is the Father's goodwill, good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Twelfth chapter. Uh, Jesus exhorts the hearer, then, to be mindful, honest, and realistic. Be dressed and have your lamps lit. And as this 12th chapter and this sort of staccato method setting these things before the crowd of thousands, Peter presses in, seems almost somewhat perplexed. He asks Jesus specifically, are these words for them or for us? Okay. And here Jesus seems to acknowledge and recognize that there are, there's this bifurcation, there are two paths there are two branches to this stream of life, which is what I find going on in the 12th chapter. Just life is going on, okay? People doing their thing. Here Jesus seems to acknowledge two separate destinies, those who are ready and prepared versus those who live life as though there would never come a day of reckoning, not for them. Um, it is where Jesus said at the close of that chapter, to those to whom much has been given, much will be required. Well, so ends the 12th chapter uh, with these words then, to you decide, the crowds or the disciples, do you think I have come to bring peace 
I have come to bring fire upon the earth. Jesus said, I will be the source of contention. Father against son, mother against daughter. And indeed, isn't that just what happened? Uh, Jesus turned the Jewish world on its head, and so too eventually in time the Roman world on its head. However, Jesus continued, you have the truth, and I'm telling you the truth. Make amends with one another, live in peace, for if you entrust yourselves to the justice and the judgment of this world, it is by the justice and judgment of this world that you will pay for that choice to the last penny, he said. And now, the 13th chapter, at that very time, as all of that is taking place, at that very time. There were some, uh, perhaps a contingent of the righteous, uh, who managed to press through the crowd of thousands to get to the very front, to speak to Jesus. And they open their mouth and they offer obsequious words, laying way for a sharing of information to, to tell Jesus that, hey, did you hear about this? About others about these people, about those folks who were murdered, murdered by Pilate while they were worshiping in the temple. Their blood mingled with their sacrifice. Well, Jesus must have seen that those who approached wanted or were engaged somehow in trying to validate themselves while condemning their common adversary at the same time. And they wanted Jesus to notice them, and Jesus did notice them. Jesus received their testimony, but then he responded. He destroyed any pretense at self-righteousness they might bear by questioning whether they thought, because it happened to them, those Galileans, the dead, must somehow somehow, uh, bear some underlying responsibility for what had happened to them. So listen to these words again. At that very time, there were some present who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus asked them, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Jesus further disarmed them. He put a a counter-imperative before them. He says, I know about the Galileans. How about those 18 who were killed when the tower of Siloam fell on them? Do you think that they were worse offenders than all others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Jesus, too, knew what was going on. Essentially, Jesus said, let's not talk about, let it not be about them. Rather, let it be about you. Then Jesus echoed the message of John the Baptist. Unless you repent, you will perish. And he repeated that admonition twice. Moreover, Jesus quartered no nexus, no connection, no linkage between worldly fortune and misfortune and righteousness or unrighteousness. To coin a phrase, bad things happen to good people. I think that was the the counterweight. Uh, Pilate killed those who were worshiping, and a tower fell on some others. Jesus said, these things are not connected. And so once again, a parable seemed to be in order for Jesus. 
Luke, as Luke assembles his teaching, assembled his gospel, a parable about an unproductive fig tree in a vineyard and a particular gardener who sought to save that fig tree. The gardener, uh, of course, is Jesus, and the fig tree is us, and the man who owned the vineyard, the father. The owner of that tree um, proved in the end to be patient, but not a fool. Time was running out. Time was created to be an ever-flowing stream, in the words of the hymn. And there would be no deflection, no avoiding the implications of time. Jesus seemed to suggest that self-righteousness might play well among mortals, slapping each other on the back. But unless you bore fruit, unless it came to something, uh, the illusion would soon run out. Jesus reiterated the message of John the Baptist. Unless you repent, you will perish. And he did so again twice. And so, as we are living our lives um, busy lives to be sure, lives complicated by weather, uh, complicated by uh, work and vocation and family obligations. As we're busy living our life just like the people were in the 12th chapter, uh, lives amid fortune and misfortune, the season of Lent, the season we observe now, um, is uh, intended to call us to be mindful, to call us to repentance. We are summoned to return to the Lord, our God, who is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, but is who knows nobody's fool. The gospel calls the church and all who receive the words of Jesus to repent that they may be forgiven. Why? Because life happens. And in the course of living life, you, you're going to need repentance. The good and the bad, fortune and misfortune. And so the gardener makes yet another effort in the parable Jesus used. The gardener makes yet another, another effort to nurture the fig tree, the fig tree of our lives. The gardener hopes against hope. The tree will blossom and bloom and bear fruit. But as we know, as Jesus reminded the masses, life happens to both the righteous and the unrighteous. The growing season is now. Bear fruit now, for we may not see another season. So it is as we look at the words of our Lord. May the branches of our lives be heavy with fruit that is pleasing to the master of the vineyard. May our praise ever be to and of the gardener who labored so hard to save the fig trees of our lives that we and it might have opportunity to live. And so on this third Sunday in the season of Lent, the church does repent. It is very much the theme of the season. We prepare for that season which is yet to come, but is not upon us. But the path to which lies always only through the cross. And at the foot of that cross, we repent because we're living life. And if you live life, you will need to repent. Neither joining our lot in life to our righteousness or unrighteousness, no more than those upon whom the Tower of Siloam fell or 
those who died while at worship. We rather focus upon ourselves, not upon them, as Jesus said, and in doing so prepare ourselves for the great Paschal mystery that lies now but just a few weeks ahead. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this production of the First Lutheran Church. We welcome you to visit us in person at 512 Kale Avenue. You can also find us on Facebook at First Lutheran Church, Miles City, Montana, and email us at flc at midrivers.com.